It's time for another episode of Dynasty Oasis Podcast. Here are your hosts, Matt Newts and Josh Adkins. Welcome to another episode of the Dynasty Oasis Podcast. My name is Matthew Newts. You can find me on Twitter at Nasty Newts. And with me today, as always, is the one, the only Joshua Adkins at Dynasty Oasis on Twitter. How's it going, Josh? It is going fantastic. It is another beautiful day here in Minnesota. Um, the snow is melting. We are coming into spring, the best time of the season. Um, it was a little disappointing last week. We did normally been having combine, but uh, at the same time, I'm I'm headed to Arizona in a couple days, and and you know I I mentioned this to JJ Watt because he and I talk more than uh, people maybe know, um, and he decided to uh, to join me in Arizona this week. What do you think about JJ heading to the Cardinals? Yeah, that was a bit of a surprise, wasn't it? All the the hype was for, you know, the Steelers playing with his brother, mm-hmm. the Packers going back home. Uh, there was a lot of Bills steam, even some Cleveland Browns steam. So Arizona um, was lightly mentioned. Um, I know Hopkins tried to recruit him there. Yep. And apparently DeAndre Hopkins should be a college head coach or something <laughs> when his career is over because he, he must have done a pretty darn good job selling J.J. Watt. And honestly, when you, you take a step back and just think about the fit for the Cardinals, it makes makes a ton of sense for them they got a rookie or not a rookie but a quarterback on his rookie contract Mm -hmm. now's the time you build you build you build and and try and use that uh you know, market inefficiency, that quarterback price yep. to to really give yourself a window here. So it makes a ton of sense for Arizona. I absolutely love the move for them. And I, th- I think it was a smart choice for what? I know their pass rushing group's a little bit older with him and Chandler Jones now. Right. But yep. uh, if, they, if they both stay healthy, that's pretty damn dynamic. No, I know. The idea of having them on the same side of the line of scrimmage pass, right? You can't double one of them. You got to leave them singled. I, it's going to work well, I think. And, you know, just thinking about Arizona as a whole, um, yes, the Kyler Murray breakout last year was very real. He did some spectacular things. DeAndre Hopkins was a huge component in sort of facilitating that and bringing him along a little bit. But when you looked at the Cardinals as a whole, you just sort of felt like they're just, you know, there's still a few pieces, a few building blocks here that are missing that are preventing them from actually being the winning team that sort of the individual pieces would lead you to believe that they should be. And so I think Watt rejoining Hopkins in, in Arizona, um, obviously former Texan teammates, um, I think it's going to work really well. He's going to provide some, you know, that, not that they don't have veterans, as you said, with with Chandler Jones and Buda Baker is very established at this point. Um, we'll have to see what they get out of Isaiah Simmons next year. But, um, yeah, that's a defense and a team in general that's that's taking shape as uh, a real contender in the NFC. Yeah, Simmons is kind of the wild card in that defense. If he can take a big leap yeah. next year, that this defense could be pretty nasty. I believe Hassan Reddick uh, is a free agent he to is. be. Yep. He had 13 sacks last year, so uh, hopefully they can bring him back too just to add kind of that third piece to the pass rush. That would be super nasty. Uh, yeah, yeah, look out for the Cardinals. Look out for the NFC West. That division just continues to have an arms just- race. Just saying those names in kind of conjunction, and obviously we're we're all prisoners of the moment, right? Tampa Bay just won the Super Bowl. It has if you can either bring back Hassan Reddick via a franchise tag. I don't know if that's an option for them, but if they can bring him back one way or the other, it has sort of a Shaq Barrett alongside uh, JPP and Indomitian Sue feel to that front four, and man, it could be really an interesting year to uh, to be in Glendale and to be an Arizona Cardinals fan. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Yeah, they they feel close to me. I, I think that it's a huge offseason for them, and they kicked it off really well. So, yeah, um, like you mentioned, you're on your way to Arizona, so this will be our only show of yep. the week. Uh, apologies for that, but, you know, it's it's kind of the right time of the year for a little bit of a vacation anyways. Yeah, we all need a, a, a break every once in a while. I You know, I debated kind of hauling all my equipment to Arizona, but, you know, I, I think just for five days to just kind of get away, um, it won't be a problem, and I hope our, our listeners uh, understand that. Um, I'll also say, just as a housekeeping note, I'll be coming back a little bit early in the week next week. So the uh, the show that's usually out on Monday night will probably come out more like Tuesday afternoon. Um, so just kind of that's sort of the, the game plan going forward here as we kind of work around uh, my little vacation here in Arizona. Um, kind of the last bit of news that I wanted to touch on you with was uh, – uh, Rashad Bateman, uh, Exos, a company that trains prospects. I think they've got like 133 of the uh, projected draftable players in this upcoming draft uh, training with them. D- held a, I don't know, a mock combine in an, in an effort to kind of fill the void of the NFL combine not happening. And, um, you know, I dug around for a, a pretty good amount of time this weekend trying to find more results than just the Bateman result. But the word is, and it leaked through his representation and no NFL scouts were at this thing. So big grain of of salt is necessary here. But according to Exos and according to his agent, he ran 4.39 on a laser-timed 40-yard dash. Now, I think we both talked about the big distinction between him and Chase being sort of this lack of athleticism, both with that, you know, that alpha build, um, good route runners, but maybe just a little bit more juice with Jamar Chase. If we're to believe this number, that obviously wouldn't be the case. Kind of just as I laid that out for you, what is your sort of takeaway on these numbers and maybe any other numbers that eventually do trickle out of this Exos combine? Yeah, I was hoping you could give me some more uh, um, clarity on how viable these numbers are. Uh, I, I really don't know if I can trust it or Let not, me, but it's it's super I, interesting because I would not have guessed he'd run that fast. Can I put it to you this way? I think scouts are going to be very skeptical if he does not also run a 40 at Minnesota and be within a, a, you know, a half a tenth of a second. So within 0.05 seconds of this or even within a tenth of a second of this. And I think it to some degree will validate what he ran here in February. But if he just elects to not run at the uh, the April 1st pro day for for the for the Gophers, I think people are going to be very skeptical of this and add at least a tenth of a second to it arbitrarily. So I think he's got plenty left to prove. I think it is going to spike his value, even though it probably shouldn't. We we both like him a lot, and um, I don't think athleticism is going to be necessarily what holds him back. But that was kind of uh, uh, kind of set Twitter ablaze this weekend, so I just wanted to hit on it. Um, on today's show, we're going to be doing uh, NFC North, the uh, black and blue division, our division. Um, as I'm sitting here, Newts, we're both sitting here wearing Vikings uniforms, kind of, at least I was going to get in the spirit um, of things. Uh, this is kind of, uh, this is our home, and this is, these are the teams that we root for and root against. Uh, I hope you're excited for this one. Yeah, I'm super pumped. Um, I'm glad we're doing it today because normally this is our Thursday segment, but with you Mm -hmm. um, heading for uh, warmer pastures, I guess not greener (laughs) pastures. It's not very green in Arizona, but yeah, I'm I'm glad we decided to do it today. I've been looking forward to this uh, segment for a while. These are the teams we know the best and can talk about um, at our most eloquent. So uh, yeah, super pumped for that. Uh, We'll kind of go in order of how they finish. So uh, you ready to dive 
dive right in. We got a lot to talk about on this show. We do, and I think we should get right into it. But before we do, I'll just say we're also going to do our prospect film review at the end of this show. So uh, we got a bunch of big names uh, to kind of talk about. So yeah, we got an action-packed show. I think let's get right into it. Um, with the NFC North champions, the Green Bay Packers, it hurts my soul a little bit to say it, Newts, but they were uh, pretty clearly a cut above uh, you know anybody else really in the NFC for the regular season. Obviously, they um, finished one step away from from where they wanted to be. Um, but, uh, a really strong year, obviously the MVP, Aaron Rodgers. I think that's kind of where I want to start this conversation. Obviously, I don't think anybody was doubting Aaron Rodgers' talent. It's just, um, this waffling back and forth of his value, you know, kind of in super flex leagues. Um, have you changed your valuation of him sort of where you maybe were preseason in dynasty or has he pretty much stayed where he's, uh, where you kind of had him coming into 2020? I think I gave him a bit of a spike. Um, the age is going to obviously be a concern. Right. Uh, and every year it's going to become more and more of a concern. But he's, uh, you know, expressed the Tom Brady interest of playing sure. until he's 90. So I, I still got him pretty darn high, a lot higher than you would expect a 38-year-old. He's, you know, one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen play last last year I think we kind of needed that type of a season from him to to you know rejuvenate or re um ignite our um appreciation for him um two years ago they made you know it it just as far as they did last year but it felt a little fraudulent um last year felt like they absolutely deserved to be where they were and maybe they even fell a little bit short of where they should have been well, and, and you sort of look at the what could have been, right? I think they were maybe a, a, an offensive weapon away from potentially scaring people a little bit more. I know MVS kind of had a you know resurgent year. Alan Lazard dealt with injuries all year. He's a nice player, but not really maybe better than a third or fourth wide receiver for an NFL team. I think when you look at the weapons and you look at the season that they had, especially for you know especially from Rogers' side of things. Um, he massively outperformed, I think, what I expected from him. Now, to to my former question, did it change the value? No, not really, because of what you said. He's one of one of the two or three greatest quarterbacks I've ever seen play with my own eyes. And so um, there's no doubting his talent. I just pulled up the ranks. You actually have him at quarterback seven, and I, I think that seems about right. I've got him at quarterback nine, so I'm a touch lower on him than you are, but um, at the end of the day, I think that there's, you know, even though there's some variance at quarterback year to year, I know that was something um, I heard J.J. Zacharyson talking about this week of his red zone um, touchdown percentage just being sort of unsustainable. And all of those things can be true. Um, he's probably still a, a dynasty value, I would say, in a lot of regards. And, um, you know, saying that, I'm, I, I guess... My question is, what would you what would you give up for him in a dynasty league to acquire him? Assuming it's uh, obviously super flex. Yeah, I need to be a contender. Obviously, I'm not buying Aaron Rodgers as a right. rebuilder. Yeah. Ah, um, yeah. uh, gosh. Well, let me That's put it so to you this tough. way: you're you're at 104, and you have a you know you maybe traded for a pick last season and ended up at the 104. You have a contending team. Would you rather have Trey Lance or would you rather have Aaron Rodgers? That's a really good question, and I'm not sure. <laughs> it, it totally depends on my situation. If you know, I are, if I already got you know Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or Deshaun Watson, a, a younger alpha quarterback for okay, my superflex yep. mix, um, then I'm 
probably more willing to do that just because I know the future. I'm at least set at one spot. Sure. If, if I kind of just, uh, scratch and clawed my way there with a few guys that are fine, but not well, great. Or you're, or you're looking at Russell Wilson or maybe Lamar Jackson, who maybe have a shorter runway of sort sure. of the, the huge upside that we've projected that aren't quite as safe a little further along in the, you know, maybe something like that. I, I like what you, what you said there about if I have that alpha already, no, I probably don't give up one Oh four. Um, but if my top quarterback is, yeah, like, you know, uh, Russell Wilson, I think, you know, God, that, you know, would make it awfully hard to, uh, to go target Rogers for a guy like Lance. But, um, at the same time, could you have a team that was a contender that had Baker Mayfield as the top quarterback on it or Kirk Cousins or Ryan Tannehill, um, in those instances, if I'm truly a contender with that as my top quarterback, I think I would give the 104, even up to the 103, um, Zach Wilson potentially to go get Aaron Rodgers and Superflex. I, I don't know. I think that's about where the value is, and I think it's where it deserves to be. Yeah, I think I'm with you. And if if you don't like the rest of your roster and you're sitting there with Rodgers, uh, you got to try and cash yes. in on that asset. You might so, need to yeah. be a little bit more creative than a one for one type sure. deal. Um, yeah, yeah. In most situations, you probably will need to make it a multi asset trade. But um, yeah, I, I, what do you think the runway is with Rodgers? Two, three, four years. Is well, that CV- being generous? Uh, do we need to start worrying about like thirty-eight year old quarterbacks? I know it's a relatively new trend for guys playing mm-hmm. in their forties. I don't see why it can't, but should we expect it? Well, here's the way I'll put it to you this way. I think, and you know, Packer fans maybe won't like me for this, but I think his runway in Green Bay is two years, maybe max, just because I mean Tom Brady referenced it. He would never go back to a cold weather city. Now that doesn't mean he can't travel to Green Bay and go win a game in in you know January or whatever. But ultimately, that he wanted to get out of that weather. I keep saying I think Aaron Rodgers at some point, whether it's this year or next year or maybe even the year after, looks to get out of Green Bay, looks to get to a dome, looks to get back to the West Coast where he can play kind of more in his home area, um, and has a, a you know an extra three years maybe then on the backside there. I don't think it's as short as maybe everybody thinks. I think um, projecting outside of three years is tough, but I would give him the full three years, and I think that's. That's about all the more you can say for really any any player or prospect because right. injury can rob rob you of everything in much less than three years. So, and you're a believer in the you're building your dynasty teams in a two to three year window. Right, I yep. think he, he perfectly fits that window just fine. So uh, maybe we're even a little too low on him in our rankings just based I, on how excellent of a player he is. Yep, I'm wondering that exact thing. So. Um, this is a division with some cap problems. Uh, as I, <laughs> I scroll through our teams, uh, we don't have a single team in this division projected to be under the salary yeah, cap. Yeah, everybody's so, in the red, yeah. Uh, do you want to kind of lay out their situation, their free agents to be, potential cuts and whatnot? How do they uh, – what are they going to lose? What do they need to replace? That kind of stuff. Yeah, so I think the place to start, at least for Dynasty, they, they're going to lose more players, obviously, than just Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. But with both of those players up for contract, I think uh, for Dynasty, the Green Bay running back room is really, I think, where to start with the offseason. Um, before we get into that, I would just like your impression on A.J. Dillon. I know there wasn't a huge track record of, of, of games. Obviously, that Tennessee game late in the season in the snow, he looked very good. Um, but there wasn't a lot else. Maybe talk just for a second about A.J. Dillon, what your thoughts were as a prospect, what you saw for him in Green Bay, 
um, and how that might apply going forward. I'm torn because, yes, he looked great in that game, but if he didn't, that would have been a pretty darn big concern for me. Mm-hmm. He's a big back. Uh, he had extremely fresh legs late yeah. in the season. That's absolutely the time of the year where he should go Derrick Henry on some people. So I think people might be getting a little too carried away based on that small sample. Uh, if he didn't dominate that game, I would have been – probably more concerned than I was impressed by his performance. Wasn't a big fan of him as a prospect, not a big fan of that archetype of running back. He's sure. a few cheeseburgers away from being, you know, out of the league. So. Right. Yeah. 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 Yep. No, so, I, I, uh, if he impresses, I'm, I'm looking to flip quick. Well, that's, yeah, that's absolutely where I'm at in terms of when the value spike comes, I'm going to be advocating to sell because I don't believe in him as a long-term talent. Um, but as I said, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are both free agents. I think in the capacity of if he gets that job, I mean, he's going to be at least a top 15 RB for me, um, at least for any season where he has that job and Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. So in that regard, I mean, I just wonder, I think I have him in the, just barely into the top 24 running backs for dynasty right now. I don't think maybe everybody even has him necessarily that high. So I'm just wondering if before, I mean, you have less than a couple weeks to do it, um, if that you shouldn't take one or two last, uh, you know, last ditch attempts at getting A.J. Dillon before Jones moves on, because um, that's kind of where we started this. I do think he eventually moves on. The Packers are almost six million dollars over the cap. They've got to extend Corey Lindsley. Uh, Robert Tanyan is a restricted free agent. Um, you know, they've got a, a couple you know, guys that they can get out of Preston Smith is a guy that we both had discussions about that. They probably, um, I think they can free up like 10 and a half million just by letting him go. Um, so there are some ways to wiggle some money around here for green Bay. Um, but ultimately Aaron Jones is going to command $12 million at almost a minimum on the open market. And I just, I don't think green Bay is going to be able to afford that. So, um, do you disagree with that? And maybe, maybe more to the point, if they brought back Jamal Williams, um, what would you sort of think about that? What would the timeshare be between Dylan and Williams in your mind? Yeah, I absolutely agree that it seems like Aaron Jones is gone. I, I'd be shocked if they brought him back. and um, It would kind of hamper the rest of what I think they should be trying to do this offseason. So I, I, I'm pretty willing to admit that he's gone. I think Jamal Williams is is interesting. I, I, I would try to bring him back if the price is I right. I would too. Yeah. But I'm I'm not rolling into next year with just AJ Dillon and then some sixth and seventh round picks behind him. Mm-hmm. If they if they don't bring Williams back, maybe they try and get a bargain from some other organization, or maybe they they address this position again in the third fourth round of this sure. know, rookie draft. I know we're not huge fans of this rookie class, uh, the depth of it, but I, I'd be really surprised if Dillon. Well, was the clear alpha because they've never done that even with Aaron Jones, who is a phenomenal talent and and they made him share the load. I'd like to be a little more precise with that. We don't like this running back class, but we don't like it from the sense of the fantasy running back because you need a guy who's going to run the ball on first and second down for nearly a hundred yards every game and catch the ball four or five, six times, you know, or have that upside at least in a game in terms of what the Packers are looking for specifically. C.J. Marable, Jarrett Patterson, um, J.V. and Hawkins, Puka Williams. There's a bunch of these pass-catching running backs further down the board. So in that regard, I do think that they could address that. The, the, the elephant in the room is what Jamal Williams is able to do in pass pro. 
Um, that's a very hard thing to replace. But uh, I think they're going to try to bring him back. And if they do, I think he's a he's a really sneaky buy in fantasy. I mean, could you could you go get him in dynasty right now for a late third, early fourth round pick right now? Um, yeah, probably. And I'd rather target him personally than Dylan even, um, okay. cause I'm not quite as sold that he's going to be the player that people think he's going to be. I don't hate trying to buy him, but I, I'd, I'd be a little bit cautious. I don't think I'd pay the premiums that I think other people would for him. I'd definitely rather target, uh, Williams. Cause even if it's not in green Bay, he's got a role in the NFL next mm-hmm. year and beyond. So, uh, yeah, I've always been a little That's... bit more higher on him than others. That's a really good point because I think no matter where he moves on, he's going to have a 30% uh, snap share because of what he can do um, in the pass pro and protect protecting the quarterback. So um, I think that's a really good point. And, yeah, I'm going to be throwing out some offers here before free agency opens up. Well, and doesn't um, he profile even for being a little bit more than that? If a team signed him as a bell cow, it wouldn't yeah. shock me because he's a bigger guy. He can break he some is. tackles. He could be a red zone target. He could be a touchdown guy and, you know, a sneaky PPR weapon. Like, honestly, like Green Bay would, you know, definitely should bring him back. But it wouldn't shock me to see one of these other teams with a bunch of caps say, screw it, I'm not going after Aaron Jones. I'm going after Jonathan Williams because, yes, he's not nearly as talented, but he does everything pretty well. I agree. No, I, I agree with everything you said there. I think let's move it on to uh, Robert Tanyan. He's a restricted free agent. Um, I think the Green Bay Packers will tender him. I don't know if they'll move it all the way up to a first, but I think they can tender him at a second. And with you know just the one-year breakout in Rodgers, I don't think anybody – goes and pays him max money. Tell me if you disagree with any of that. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's pretty darn likely he'll be back on a, you know, somewhat team friendly deal, maybe short term type thing. I, I'd be shocked if a team offered it. He'll probably be on like a second round tender or something. That's, that's my guess. Yeah. And I don't think anybody will overpay to uh, outbid Green Bay on that. So Tanya will be back. I like him as a player. I think, you know, um, he's probably value. I mean, I saw on, on Twitter a pull very close between him and Cole Komet um, in terms of dynasty value. And give me Robert Tanyan 100 times out of 100, even with as much as I, I do like Cole Komet, who we'll talk about here in a second because the Bears are going to be next on our list. Um, before we get to that point, did you have any, any other players on the Packers that you kind of want to touch on before we talk a little bit about what we might expect from them in free agency? And then we did a three-round mock draft off-air, um, and we can kind of talk about who we gave them in that. Yeah, um, I should have mentioned this when I was talking about Jones, but if they're going to free up some cap space, it's got to be to re-sign Corey Lindsley. They've always put mm-hmm. a premium on their offensive line. Lindsley may or may not be back. I, I'm not sure. He's going to command a lot of money. So if, if I had to keep one of those two, I, I would keep the the – the line infrastructure together. Maybe they Agreed. lose them both, but Lindsley, that'll be a sneaky big loss if he goes as well. Totally agree. Um, in free agency, they're probably not going to have a ton of wiggle room. I've heard some uh, sort of discussion about could Juju end up landing here and be the slot wide receiver in this in this offense. And I just think that's sort of outlandish. I think even the idea of them going and getting um, a guy like Curtis Samuel, who we've talked a little bit about, I think maybe more off air, um, but that he would be a good fit. But I think if he gets out there, he's going to command close to eight, nine, ten million dollars a year. I don't think that this this is a, exactly a team that's going to be super active in free agency. And so I think maybe the more interesting thing would be to just kind of talk about uh, the mock draft we did for them. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, everyone likes to put all these grandiose moves on the Packers, and every yeah. year they, they disappoint those predictions by just being boring, but boring wins in the NFL. So um, let's get to where they're actually going to improve their team in their, their rookie draft, which is what they do so well. Um, yes. They have – um, basically their full allotment of picks. They haven't, they don't have any extra ones. They're not missing any of them. So, uh, at w- at one twenty nine, uh, we decided to give them Aziz Ojulari, not what you would expect necessarily, but, um, based on our board, it, you know, it was best pick available type it thing. Was. Yep. And, uh, why don't you explain why pass rush may actually be kind of a sneaky need for them? Well, yeah, so we talked a little bit about Preston Smith being the one of the very easy ways that they can free up some money along with just sort of letting good players that they can no longer afford walk. So I think you look at, you know, the Smith pairing being broken up. Obviously, they'll still have Zadarius Smith. Um, you know, we both kind of liked Rashawn Gary a little bit as a developmental prospect that hasn't necessarily worked out. Um, and while I still sort of could see that year, what would it be, year three for Gary, um, jump coming. I think when you look at him and you look at Zadarius Smith, they're almost the exact same player. Or if Gary works out, he'll essentially turn into Zadarius Smith. And Aziz Ojolari is much more of that perimeter, just pure edge rush, um, kind of just set him up outside. So we felt like, you know, you, you need more than two guys to rush the passer um, on any given set of downs with how Zadarius can kick inside that we thought it was a good fit. Um, we sort of wanted to push back against this idea of them taking a wide receiver at the back half of the first round. Um, not only has it not been something Green Bay traditionally has not done, um, I think the more we talked about it, the more it felt like um, we can get a player that we believe is comparable much later in the draft this year with, with how strong wide receiver is. Um, maybe want to talk about that a little bit or, or we could move on to their uh, second round pick, 62 overall. Yeah, why don't we skip the second-round pick since we're already kind of leaning towards that discussion. Uh, everyone wants Rondell Moore, Kadarius Tony in Green <laughs> yeah. Bay at 129 because that's, you know, it, it putting a – uh, you know, a square plug in a square hole, but we gave them that, per, you know, that very similar type player and a kind of a riser. Uh, I think people are starting to catch on in the, you know, end of the third round, Jalen Darden's there. Um, North if you Texas, do the, yep. Yeah, North Texas. We we talked about them last week on our prospect film study. We noticed that PFF was, you know, really high on him and, and mm-hmm. we we discovered why, because he might be just as good as some of these other guys and people just haven't figured it out yet. Like he's fascinating on film. He fits that same archetype as Rondell Moore, but you can get him much later. And I'm not even sure if he's not as good. <laughs> well, and actually I would, I would go a little differently with you. I think he's a little different in Rondell Moore than in the sense that Rondell is just so big and thick. What I really see out of Jalen Darden and the comp that I made on the show a couple days ago was Deontay Johnson. Um, where he is, to me, you know, as much as he's a smaller player, kind of like Eskridge, kind of, I'm trying to think, I feel like there's one other guy in this class, Elijah Moore, um, who I feel like smaller, yes, but are outside perimeter man-beating receivers. And I think um, with how much Adams can move inside, it's not just finding this jet action type player that we need to find the Packers. We need to find him a good overall player. And in that regard, I think Jalen Jalen Darden's a guy who's going to get open at the next level repeatedly, and um, was was really good value here at uh, the late third round for the Packers. We did give him Jabril Cox in the second round. I don't think we need to dive too much into that. They've been kind of searching for linebacker for forever. So um, the picks there were at 29 overall. They get uh, Aziz Ojolari out of Georgia. 
Um, at 2.62, the uh, 62nd overall, they get Jabril Cox and then Jalen Darden uh, from North Texas, wide receiver in the third round. Uh, yeah, we move? Sorry, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, I think we should keep mo- keep it yep. moving. We could probably spend a whole hour on just any know. one of these teams. So uh, let's move on to the, the Chicago Bears. Uh, <laughs> they're uh, projected $2 million under the cap, so or over the cap. Not a big deal, but uh, kind of a bigger deal when you factor in they're trying to get better at uh, quarterback, and they, yeah, their fans have got to be salivating for the possibility of acquiring Russ because <laughs> he, they were on his list of four teams he would welcome a trade to or whatever the phrasing was. But uh, yeah, Trubisky's a free agent. We all know Allen Robinson's a free agent. Uh, I think Nick Foles will be back regardless of what happens because he's on a relatively affordable deal, and it would actually cost them more against the cap to move uh-huh. him than it Uh would to keep him. So he will be back either as the starter or the backup. But uh, what do you think? Should they go big game hunting? I mean, quarterback's been a perpetual need for this organization, basically as long as we've been alive. So what's the price you would pay to get Russ if you're the Bears? Oh, man, I don't know. I I, I really don't know. I'll be honest with you. I don't really want to speculate about who they're going to get as a quarterback. I think it's an interesting conversation, certainly. You know, what would I give up? Uh, I mean, 20 they'd have to give up. They'd have to give up a first round next year. I've seen some ridiculous things about they could give up Khalil Mack and Jalen Johnson in the 20 pick and get Russell Wilson. It's just it's absurd. I don't think that they have the assets. I'll be real honest with you. I don't think they have the assets to go get Watson. I don't think they have the assets to go get uh um russell wilson they sort of screwed that up when they took Trubisky a couple years ago um it's unfortunate i think you know best case for them is mac jones falls to 20 i don't think he will so you know there might be one of the teams that are on the outside looking in i did reference them as a spot that i wouldn't hate for uh kellen mon to land um, a running game and a defense that could support him. He can be that facilitator early on. I don't think it's, you know, the end of the world necessarily if they don't, you know, land that big game uh, kill, for lack of a better word, uh, you know, in one of those big-name quarterbacks. But at the end of the day, I think the more compelling conversation is the guys we can't project there. Um, David Montgomery obviously had a really hot uh, finish to the fantasy season. Um, I I'm very impressed with the community. I feel like the community has not quite uh, taken that production to the level that maybe his age and draft capital and so on and so forth would indicate because they have seen what we saw for basically a full year and a half that he's just not a spectacular player. Does that make David Montgomery a hold, a buy, a sell? What are you doing with him in Dynasty right now? Yeah, that's a really good question because his finish was undeniably strong. But if you could have picked out like the four most ideal opponents for him to close (laughs) a year against, I don't think you could have done any better than what he had. So he had like the softest schedule close to the season imaginable. So that makes him a natural sell, selling off, you know, a spike in production that was unexpected and maybe unwarranted. But he's not terrible. I've kind of gone on a roller coaster ride with his value ever since he came into the league i was super high on him as a prospect i immediately looked dead wrong and now there's this bit of a resurgence and i'm hesitant to jump back on the train because i've evolved as a scouter if you will Mm -hmm. since then and i don't know i mean he's fine but i'm I'm definitely not buying i'm probably a holder a sell but you you might have more trouble selling him than you would think but i'm i'm looking to capitalize on last year but i'm not just gonna give him away just to because I feel like I need to, you know, slot him into that 
sell mode. I think the move is is that if you if you met a roster David Montgomery, wait for your rookie draft, wait for the third running back to fall off the board, whether that's Javante Williams or uh, uh, Travis Etienne, and then go start shopping him to the teams that sort of missed out on one of those top three. Because as, as much as the running back position has gotten a little deeper in the last couple of years, it does feel like that's still the position that everybody's always short on. Um, it's not a big influx this year. So I think that's going to be your moment to potentially capitalize and sell. But to your point, I think he's kind of just a hold right now. You're kind of just stuck with what you got. And maybe for eight weeks to start next year, he can kind of reproduce 80% of that value. And you can get out at a more realistic price, at a, at a, at a more call-your-shot type of price. Um, but I'm with you. I think he's a hold right now. How about Allen Robinson? Probably moves on in free agency. Um, I think that's probably more likely than not at this point. Um, how much does Sela have left in the tank? And uh, how excited would you be to see him go really anywhere with a competent quarterback? Yeah, I guarantee you he's not just taking the the most money just to get paid this time. No. He, he's got a prerequisite in his contract negotiations. I've got to play for a quarterback at some yes. point in my career. So that does excite me. Um, he, he feels like the kind of guy that could fall off a cliff without a moment's notice though, with his build and the, just the amount of contact he seems to take. I I still, you know, I'm pretty high on him still. I I've just always loved him as a talent and felt bad for his, uh, you know, obvious quarterback situations throughout his career. So I'm not really sure what the best fit for him is though. I don't, I I'm, I'm having a hard time pegging, um, an opening for him. Yeah, I'm less concerned about that and more just I'm with you. I think that there's one more really big wide receiver one season in Allen Robinson. Um, And I hope I think it'll come this year, potentially getting with a quarterback that's not either Blake Bortles or Mitch Trubisky. Um, So in that sense, I'm targeting. But but I think you raised a good point about he is the type of guy that I do see when it's gone. It's just it's it's gone. It's not a slow fade. It's not a slow burn out of the league. Like A.J. Green. Exactly. It's just one day he can get open and the next day he can't. And that just, it happens overnight. It almost seems so I'm or with you Alshon there. Jeffrey. <laughs> yeah. Alshon Jeffrey. There's another good one. Um, I think we both talked enough about Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet on this show. We both like them a, a, a great deal. I think um, Mooney's not your prototypical one, but I think if he gets the one treatment this year, assuming they don't draft somebody, which I think they're going to look to target, um, but I think he's a, he's a target in dynasty for me. Um, and Cole Komet, I think is probably being overvalued, frankly, right now. I think he's being considered a top 12 tight end. So he might actually be a guy that I'd be advocating getting it. I mean, if you could get Brevin Jordan plus in this draft or get Pat Fryermuth plus, I think both of them are better prospects and I get it. Komet's one year further along the developmental track and tight end takes some time. So you're, you're losing a little bit of value in the time there, but I think he's more of a sell to me than anything else. Should we I kind like of move that on idea. To, yeah. Should we, should we kind of move on to our uh, mock draft for the Bears and kind of um, how we expect their offseason to go? Yeah, let's do that. And Bears fans might not be super excited with yeah. what we did. We tried to keep this in mind for if we were the Bears GM, what would mm-hmm. we do, me and Josh? Not what we think their GM, Ryan Pace, will do, but what we would do to re- build this team or rebuild this team. But not super sexy. We doubled down on O-line um, the, the first two ones. rounds. I love yeah, these two players. So we took Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State at twenty, and then in the second round we took uh, Trey Smith, uh, guard 
Tennessee. Yep. Yeah, and with some Tennessee. medical concerns and he keeps slipping for that reason. But um, frankly, he he's a first round talent through and through, in my opinion, just on what you see on the football field. He is an awesome player. So um, I think they got two plug and play starters, assume that, assuming that you um, can check the box on medical for Trey Smith. I think they got two starters on a on an offensive line that really could use an influx of talent, actually. Yeah, and uh, it's kind of just our philosophy. We build with the line um, offensive and defensively. Trenches are where games are more often than not won. Yep. Uh, trenches and quarterback play, but uh, there there wasn't a fit for quarterback. We were going to be reaching on either one of these picks for a quarterback. So uh, it felt like instead of taking a receiver early, we decided to wait a little bit, and we got De'Ami Brown got at a the, good one. Uh, the end of the second round, pick 83, um, I, I've always been a huge fan of Deami Brown. He was one of the you know rookies that I've kind of been hammering from the start. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to be on a lot of my teams. Uh, Chicago wouldn't be the most sexy destination for him from like an immediate impact, but long term, I think he could grasp a hold of the one or two spot. Him and Let's... Darnell Mooney would be a pretty interesting combination. So if you're taking a guy end of the second round, early third, wherever he falls. I'm not so much concerned about the lack of a quarterback right now. I'm I'm actually more excited about he's got a pretty open runway to that starting that number job. one spot. Yeah, no, and I agree with that. And, it, you know, it takes a little faith to say uh, eventually the Bears will get this thing right. Because as you, you pointed out, we, they've really never gotten it right at quarterback in our lifetime. But um, I loved that Diami Brown pick for us at the at the end of the third round there. Um, I thought we gave them three really good players, in my opinion. So, uh, Tevin Jenkins, Trey Smith, and Deami Brown go to the Chicago Bears. Should we move on to our hometown Vikings? Yeah, and let's try to be as brief as possible when we're talking about our favorite team, because we could talk about them for six hours. So, let's hit on the important stuff for fantasy, um, more so than anything else. Um, This may be... A team that looks very similar offensively next mm-hmm. year as they did last year. I don't see any big splashy moves. Dalvin Cook's gonna be back. Kirk Cousins, um, you know, for most Vikings fans or a certain percentage of Vikings fans would like to see them move on from him and find some magical way to get Deshaun Watson. Let me just tell you, that's not gonna happen. Ninety-nine <laughs> percent chance Kirk Cousins is back. Whether you like that or not, that's irrelevant. Um, we just got to accept the fact that he's our quarterback. And you know what? I'm fine with it. His I, contract isn't a problem. He's paid where what he deserves to be paid. Um, if you have a problem with the contract, it's more just a philosophy of maybe there's something to be said about churning out um, that rookie contract over and over and over again. Draft a quarterback in the first or second round every two or three years. If you hit on him enough, then you can just keep resetting that clock and really build around it. But no, I, I – I agree with you, and I actually I think Kirk Cousins is more than fine, and I think he's he's flat out undervalued in dynasty. I truly believe that. Whether you're talking single quarterback or two quarterback, um, he consistently is a low end one, high end two, year in and year out. You know this offense suits him perfectly. I think where Vikings fans are at this point is what you alluded to in the second part, which is God forbid Trey Lance fell to fourteen. God forbid something crazy. I mean, Aaron Rodgers fell to what, 24 or whatever it was in in the crazy things happen all the time. And the Vikings not capitalizing on that would be the frustration I think we'd have. Kirk Cousins is the best solution we have right now. And in that sense, you know, he is the quarterback. But 
the issue Vikings fans will have is if a better opportunity presents itself and we don't take it. Um, I do think he's a buy in fantasy for me. I think he's a, he's a good player and he'll do well in this offense with um, both Justin, Justin Jefferson, your wide receiver one in dynasty. Cause he is for me. He's uh, I don't think I technically have him there in my ranking. Oh, I got him at two. So close yeah, enough. Two. I, I still prefer Tyreek Hill, but okay. uh, that's not that interesting of a conversation. It's just preference. <laughs> you know, I can make a case for either one if I really wanted to argue either side. But uh, yeah, no, I totally agree with you on uh, Kirk being undervalued in Dynasty. I've actually traded for him in a few of my Superflex leagues. Nice. Um, I, I think I think people just get so frustrated by um, I don't even he's, know what he's it is. It's he, fine. He's just it's, it's okay to say no he's over. I don't know if he is, though. If you look at the list of contracts, he's like the 12th highest paid quarterback in the NFL on average value. Um, If you want to make a case that a lot of these quarterbacks are overpaid, that's fine. (laughs) And it's hard to build your roster around a cap hit of $40 million or 35 or 30. That's a different conversation. But in the pecking order of quarterbacks in the NFL, he's about right where he should be. And maybe the market doesn't need to reset every single time one of these quarterbacks are up for contract. It's making it hard to build a team. And it's creating that inefficiency where a team with a rookie quarterback contract can go out and win a Super Bowl pretty darn mm-hmm. easily. Well, not easily, but at least get in contention pretty easily if you're smart. So um, that's a different conversation. I think Kirk is paid what he deserves to be paid based on the business of the NFL. I agree. I, I agree. After what you after what you said, I I, I uh, I'm not going to argue with it. Let's put it that way. Uh, Irv Smith, I think, is the other kind of important guy to talk about here as we kind of move into the off season. One of the few kind of contracts that the Vikings can get some money back on would be Kyle Rudolph. He's already, you know, sort of um, voiced his displeasure with the organization and his snap count and them asking him to restructure all the time. I think it's more likely than not that he moves on. In that in that case, where does Irv Smith go for you? And you do you still believe in the talent, or would you take that as an opportunity to get back out at a, at a full value? It's a really good question, and I'm I'm struggling to think about what my true answer would be off the top of my head. But yeah, I think Kyle Rudolph's as good as gone. He said in a a podcast that I listened to pretty bluntly that he's not taking a pay cut, and the Vikings aren't bringing him back at that salary. So Kyle's probably going to be gone. Um, Irv Smith, that's certainly going to excite a lot of people. Um, you may have been a year too early on your Irv Smith love. Yeah, I, was, I still I like him a say. lot as a talent. He flashed yeah. quite a bit later in the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he shows some red zone ability, maybe not quite what we expected with his, you know, size and pro, well, you know, how he profiles. But I, I still like him as a buy. This offense. I, they're still going to want to run the ball a lot. So the volume is just not quite yeah. going to be there. I'm going to stop um, you there. Every team in the NFL throws enough. I know the Vikings run a lot. It's, it's a fair point. They do yeah, run a lot. Yeah, but where is he in the pecking order? I mean, Dalvin, well, that's, Jefferson, Thielen, that's a different, he's pretty far down the pecking order. Yeah, that's a different argument altogether. I totally understand. Thielen is going to eat up 120 targets. Jefferson's going to be closer to 140 this year. To ask what's left, especially because Dalvin Cook catches the ball. Now, that's a, that's a totally different and fair conversation. Um, but the amount of running that the Vikings no, do, I, I know, but it's still, it, it, it's less targets than, um, the average NFL team's going to have just to go around everywhere. Yeah. Maybe that's not 
that big of a deal, but I, I, I think the point I guess I was trying to make is he's, he's not near the top of the totem pole. And, and I guess a lot of tight ends aren't, but that's true. Um, yes. I, I still think, uh, there is room for this team to bring in another wide receiver. Um, yep. so Irv, maybe he just kind of fills that role. Maybe they go a different way and bring in another tight end. Oh, well, that's, I and, wonder that. And deserve more yeah. as the wide receiver three. Um, so, um, I'd be buying, but I think the hype might get a little out of control again. Fair enough. And I do think, you know, I pointed out, I think there is going to be, if you don't believe in the talent, there is going to be a spike moment when Kyle Rudolph gets cut, um, probably sometime in June, July, before training camp starts, um, that Irv Smith spikes back up in value. So if you want out, just keep holding firm right now. There will be a spike in value um, kind of as we move forward. So the Vikings are $7 million over the cap. I don't think they're going to be super active in free agency this year. Um, so let's just talk about the draft we had for them. Uh, they don't have a second-round pick because of the Yannick Ngakwe trade that is uh, in uh, Jacksonville now. But in the first round, they were at 14, and we gave them uh, one of my favorite players overall, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker. Uh, you want to talk about that fit and, and what you like about Vera Tucker? Yeah, the Vikings um, have been pretty darn bad on the interior of their offensive line for like five years now. Vera Tucker can immediately play guard and he has the upset, you know, the ability to kick out um, down the road. So I think that's why we, we, what we like about his fit, similar to the Ezra Cleveland pick last year. Yep. Uh, if we keep Riley Reef and Brian O'Neill as our bookend tackles, we got two guards then that could eventually move out if for whatever reason they move on um, in the next year or two. So um, I kind of like that way of building your offensive line draft, you know, developmental tackles that can immediately play guard and then Mm -hmm. kick out when they're ready to make that move. So um, yeah, I I definitely want to address the inside of the line because we run block decently, but that we get bull rush so badly. Um, yeah. by some three tacks and we we generate a lot of pressure through the middle of our line and I think the interesting thing with Vera Tucker and the thing that I like so much about him that I do think fits what what this team likes to do is with that wide zone that outside zone scheme uh, you need you need the reason they picked Cleveland as a sort of undersized tackle to play guard is because you need to be able to move you need to be able to get to the second level to get to you know uh, smaller quicker defenders that are further down the field he is so good. I mean, what he does down the field at the second and third level blocking is sort of the funnest thing to watch about Vera Tucker in his time at USC. I've had, I've had a chance to watch about four games uh, from either this year or last year of USC, and he sticks out in that regard in specific uh, in almost every game. So uh, I love that pick at 14 overall. Uh, in the third round, the Vikings do have two picks, so they kind of make up for the second round uh, or the lack of the second round pick. Uh, we gave him a pair of Pittsburgh players. You want to talk about one or the other, uh, Patrick Jones or Paris Ford? Yeah, Patrick Jones feels like the type of um, defensive end that the Vikings would like mm-hmm. um, if they're trying to kind of rebuild the uh, Everson Griffin, Daniil Hunter um, archetype combo combo platter. Patrick Jones feels like a, a pretty decent Everson uh, fill-in guy project. Mm-hmm. Uh He's got good size. What is he like? 260, 270, 63, 64. Yeah. So um, they've got a really good defensive line coach. Patrick Jones was a player that you liked quite a bit. Um, I I saw the profile. I'll be honest. I haven't watched a lot of tape on him, but just the size um, and kind of the play style that you would expect from a player that size feels like a really good fit. 
If you are interested, there was a uh, Nerds IDP write-up on Patrick Jones. Forgive me, I, I don't remember which uh, one of the Nerds staff knocked that one out of the park, but I did read it the other day. Um, but that's fairly recent up on the site, so if you wanted to go check that out, uh, Patrick Jones on Dynasty Nerds, uh, it is up there. Um, the yeah, other player we gave him was, was Safety Paris Ford, and we didn't really mention Anthony Harris. Obviously got the franchise tag for this team last year. He'll be gone. They're, you know, It sounds like neither side is very close to uh, really wanting to do some sort of extension. So uh, we addressed the safety position with Paris Ford. And I'll be honest, I haven't had a chance to watch a ton on him. So I'm not going to say that I know a ton about Paris Ford. I just know that uh, people like him, and, and he was kind of the archetype that uh, the Vikings are looking for. Should we move on to the uh, Motor City Kitties? Yeah, this is a team that's uh, probably got more – fantasy relevance than the Vikings because yeah. yeah like we said the Vikings aren't going to change much offensively but the Lions have uh, a lot of openings here um, well and a lot of changeover from last year frankly uh, obviously Jared Goff is now the quarterback instead of Matt Stafford uh, Dan Campbell has been hired to uh, be that be the new head coach and and bite people's ankles apparently um, <laughs> they've got plenty of moving parts with potentially Kenny Galladay moving on you know we talked uh, during the mock draft about the potential for them to franchise tag him. And I think that is a real potential, but um, it may be to, just to trade him. Um, and they may just let him walk, you know, kind of just, he's an older prospect, frankly, when, you know, you start looking at it. And we talked about this a little bit of um, how bad do you want to get into an extension that puts a guy at 31 or 32 years old when it, when it's over. Um, let's start here. How does Jared Goff and Dan Campbell just sort of change this offense overall for you? Is there any pieces that at least we can project that being there next year, either in Hawkinson or Swift or Goff, that you see a significant difference from maybe what we've come to expect? I'm pretty negative on this whole bit. Whole Goff um, seemed to need quite a bit of coaching from McVay, even on the field. They would do that bit where they would, you know, kind of call the play. They'd line up, then McVay would see the defense and call the play for Goff. I'm not (laughs) sure he's that smart of a player. And Dan Campbell doesn't really seem like the big X's and O's mastermind like McVay. He's he's a meathead, um, and he's glad to be called a meathead, I guess. Maybe he likes to prove people (laughs) wrong, and maybe he will, but this just feels like a marriage bound for divorce and pretty quick divorce for me. I'm I'm totally out on the Jared Goff Detroit Lions era. I I just don't. I mean, he's got all the arm talent in the world. You see it. You see flashes yeah. of it. He can make all the throws. I just don't think he's he's got enough talent between the ears. And maybe that sounds like a cruel thing to say, but I, I just don't think he's ever going to be a good decision maker. It may be cruel. It may not be totally untrue either, because in Hard Knocks he didn't know which uh, side of the the continent the uh, sun sets. So um, <laughs> there, there may be some intelligence issues there. But I, I guess the one guy that I do like more, uh, DeAndre Swift, Dan Campbell came from New Orleans, correct? Yes. Yeah, and obviously worked with Alvin Kamara there. Um, I see a very similar skill set in DeAndre Swift. So at the very least, I feel like of all the things that this guy is going to have to grasp, all the moving parts, the the quarterback that you sort of got to put training wheels on, I think the one part that he can grasp are the two pieces that are there are going to be there for sure, and that's Swift and Hawkinson. He understands he was the tight end coach, so he wasn't working with Kamara specifically. He was working with the tight ends, but Hawkinson and Swift, I think both maintain the value that they've – the steam essentially that they generated in 2020 I think is – is at least able to hold, and I think there is some negative bias just about this team in general, 
that maybe makes them sort of closer to the buy realm than actually the sell realm. And, um, I, you know, I'm pretty well on record of saying TJ Hawkinson, in my opinion, is not some game-changing long-term Darren Waller, Travis Kelsey-type tight end. He's a very solid player. Um, I don't think we need to go into that again. Should we get kind of into what we expect from them in free agency um, and then what we did for them in the draft? Yeah, and I I, th- I think they know they need to reset. So, um, yeah, maybe they tag and trade Kenny Galladay, but I don't know. I, I think they just kind of got to clean the slate. They're over the cap, so um, right. they don't have room to go out and make a splash, nor should they. They need to kind of clean their cap up for when they are ready to contend. I'm more interested in the draft for this team. Um, free agency, I think, is kind of a non-factor. Anyone they bring in is probably not very relevant anyways. Well, you will, I wouldn't think even if they are able to free up a decent chunk of cap space that they're not going to be able to attract high-end free agents to go play there right no. now. Um, yeah, let's talk about their draft because I think they had the most interesting draft to talk about. Um, we sort of discussed while we were doing it um, now, are we drafting for what we expect or what we want to project for Detroit, or are we drafting as if we were the GMs of the uh, the Detroit Lions? And we ultimately settled on the second one, that if we were the Lions, this would be our pick. Trey Lance was there at 107. Um, and like I said at the time, I would have taken him 100 out of 100 times there. Um, you know, part of that is about Goff, but part of that is also about the insane upside that Trey Lance has. Um, and the ability for him to become a game changer for this, you know, organization to sort of completely restart the the rebuild here. Um, I loved the pick, but I think that there probably will be some pushback. What What are your thoughts on Trey Lance? Well, here's how I'll justify it. They've been perpetually stuck in kind of where the Vikings are right now. And that mm-hmm. Matt Stafford, we got to pay our quarterback because he's good enough to deserve it window where it's just hard to team build around that. If yep. you hit the home run on Trey Lance, he can propel you to that next level that the Lions have never been to. If Trey Lance is really good, which I think he will be, they're going to have a three-year window where they can go sign a J.J. Watt, go trade for a DeAndre Hopkins, exactly how the Arizona Cardinals rebuilt on the fly. Mm -hmm. Arizona Cardinals went from the team picking 101, and now, what, two years removed? we can legitimately call them a Super Bowl contender. Absolutely. That's how you rebuild a franchise that's been moribund and disgusting like the Lions. If you hit <laughs> on one of these rookie quarterbacks and you're smart enough to go all in around that, that's how you win a Super Bowl in Detroit. Absolutely. No, I totally agree with that. And um, I would love Trey. The, the, wherever Trey Lance goes, I want him to have the chance to sit for eight weeks or 10 weeks or even a full season if it takes that now guys who go in the top 10 historically just don't sit all season. We probably won't see that if they really took Trey Lance, if they're not competing by week 10 or 12, it'll be Trey Lance. Um, but I do ultimately want to see him given a chance to sort of learn for a couple weeks. Um, the thing that would scare me here um, is he is such a good deep ball thrower. Um, and if Kenny G really were to leave, even with the guy that we're about to talk about here in a second, we did address the wide receiver position here. Um, I don't know that short and intermediate quick hitters getting the ball to somebody on the run is necessarily where Trey Lance excels. Now, I'm not saying that's not something that could develop long-term, but I would be a little bit worried about, in some ways, this offense is going to be built at the front end for Jared Goff and what it might look like for Trey Lance to, take that over now maybe it didn't hurt you know a guy like Jalen Hurts this year who 
that offense wasn't necessarily built for him when he took over and he did just fine. So maybe I'm making a mountain out of a mohill here. But that would, I mean, the weapons around Trey Lance is something that is going to be important to me too, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I, I don't hate the idea of a quarterback being thrust in not ideal circumstances, show your adaptability um, okay. and work on your flaws. I mean, this is certainly isn't the most ideal landing spot for Trey Lance, but the lions would be you know, thrilled if he was on the board there. I would have to I imagine think, yeah. you build your team around him. Then next year, subsequent years, maybe it's not perfect, you know, roses for him right away, but um, you know, you got to go through some adversity in life to come through on the other side. So I I think Trey Lance and the lions, you know, they'd figure it out. Uh, I would sure hope so. But yeah, we gave him Rondell Moore in the second round and that's a pretty good uh, start. start. Yes, it is a start. And, and, you know, I alluded to the idea that I'd like them to get somebody that could stretch the field a little more. I'm not saying Rondell can't do that. I'm just saying that's not really Rondell's fastball. Um, I think we'd both agree with, with that at least. Um, Now, you know, if you're really considering Trey Lance and it's sort of you have to make one decision before the other, I think you would bring back a guy like Kenny Galladay and then you have Kenny and Rondell and that's a really good complement to each other. Um, you know, I think a lot's been made of Waddle at the top of drafts for, for Detroit. Um, for us to get Rondell Moore at 41, I don't think I, I don't personally see a huge distinction in what they're going to do at the next level between those two players. Do you, do you? Um, not really. No, I, I pretty much agree with that. Um, the rest of their draft, uh, not fantasy relevant, but we gave them also Diggy Zua and Spencer mm-hmm. Brown, uh, tackle from Northern Iowa, who you wrote about on, uh, dynastyoasis.com, um, about, you know, kind of local-ish prospects from the senior bowl. So he yeah, was in the he, senior bowl and he impressed you. So yeah, uh, he had a really strong fit. week there. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we, uh, we gave him a couple, uh, couple interior guys, some some beef along the defensive and offensive lines. Um, it's going to be tough for Detroit, but I don't know. I think they can. Pull. This would be a draft that I think would be the start of them pulling out of um, some really basically kind of like we said with Chicago, just rough all around basically our entire lives in Detroit. So um, I do kind of root for the Lions, and I'd like to see them uh, be relevant in any season where the Vikings were not. Yeah, I have a lot of animosity for the Packers and the Bears, but really none for Detroit. None. I would like to see their their long suffering fans get paid off a little bit. Same. Um, they they've never really been that relevant in my lifetime, so I feel bad for their fans. I mean, um, I, I I know what it's like to root for a team that constantly lets you down. At least the Vikings <laughs> give us more promise, but I don't know which one's worse. Uh, you perpetually good, but you always fall short or you're just perpetually bad. I'm not sure which is a more painful experience, but we certainly share in the pain one way or the other. I totally agree. So yeah, we empathize with, with lions fans. That was the, uh, NFC North. Um, I, man, I think that, uh, this is going to be a tough division to win again. I, you know, I think both of us would agree that the Packers are the, uh, the front runners, but you know, um, if Chicago were to somehow inexplicably land that quarterback, like you said, um, it could be, it could be very interesting. And I think, uh, it's going to be a competitive division on the whole. So, um, that was NFC North. I'm looking at the time newts. We're at about an hour and I'm just wondering here, I'm going to call a little bit of a, 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 a audible here. 
Um, why don't we still do our prospect film draft, but I'll split this episode up into two pieces and I'll release the second half where we break down um, these prospects. I'll just release that on Thursday. It'll be a shorter show. It'll be about, you know, 20 minutes, a half hour of us just talking about these guys. Um, but why don't we close the show and then we'll do that after and I'll, I'll put that out on Thursday. Um, I'm at Dynasty Oasis on Twitter. You are at uh, Nasty Newts on Twitter. You can find both of our work at DynastyNerds.com or DynastyOasis.com. You got a birthday ready? Yeah, my wide receiver one. We talked about him earlier. Tyree Kill. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Tyree Kill. And Justin uh, Bieber. Okay. Your wide receiver one. <laughs> Perfect. We'll uh, have a good week, and we'll talk to you again on Thursday. Peace out.